The American dream inspires many, but it's not without its flaws. The reality is people experience workforce discrimination in many forms. It's time to open our eyes and have challenging yet enlightening conversations. It's not always easy, but we need to start in order to make a difference. That conversation begins here. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Untapped Podcast. This evening, we are excited to introduce Broderick, who has a background in economic and community development. Broderick's primary focus is on growth and expansion, which he does by working with various local stakeholders to create an environment for job creation. We are really thrilled to have you on tonight, Broderick, and learn more about all of that, as well as dive into how diversity is lacking within this industry. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. To kick things off, give us some background on your education and how you got into this career. You know, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, got a bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of New Orleans, and then went out and started a career, and then went moved back to New Orleans uh, and started grad school. And shortly after I started grad school, Hurricane Katrina hit. Uh, so that kind of upended the grad school plans. Uh, but then I got the opportunity to started working for uh, for FEMA in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, doing something called long-term community development, which uh, was an interesting way for me to get involved in community development. We were starting in a post-disaster environment, right? So learned a lot, a lot of work in a short period of time in the, in the, in the, the parishes surrounding uh, New Orleans, uh, left that, uh, and then went to go work for a city council member. Did that for, for a while, kind of focusing on community development there. Again, still post-Katrina work. Then I got an opportunity to move to Jacksonville, Florida, to do kind of full-blown economic development along the business attraction and retention side, and I've kind of been on that path ever since. I was there for 10 years, uh, left there about three years ago to move up to Northern Virginia, where I'm currently residing. And it's, um, you know, the path to that is one of the things that's both exciting and frustrating about economic development. There's no clear path to get to that profession. You talk to 10 economic developers, you will get 10 different stories of how they got to the role that they're in. What kind of discrimination have you experienced within the workforce? You know, economic development is a small world. And, you know, for me, it's a general lack of black and brown faces throughout the profession that's been frustrating a lot of times, uh, especially when you get away from like the major metro areas. And so for me, it's been like a lot of microaggressions because it's small. People are, are, are everybody kind of kind of gets to know each other. But you get to a point where you're in a room, you're the only face of color in that room. I know for I know for me, 99% of the time, I was the only face of color in the room on either side of the table, whether it was the community side or the business side. And so just little things like in, insensitivities in the last, it was called the last decade around social justice issues. Um, people get comfortable with you and they start making comments uh, that they don't think you'll pick up on or you're working with a community and someone brings up uh, some comments about a particular part of town because they see you in a certain light and they work with you and they get to know you. They don't they may not know your background. And so they presume that your thoughts are going to be a certain way. And it's it was, you know, even times when like I pick up on you walk into a room and again, the only face of color in there and you can feel the mood change. You know, I mean, you can you can walk in and you you can feel when, you know, people are like, who's this person? Or I was expecting someone else or or my favorite, the one, you know, they talk to you on the phone and you get to in person. And it's you know, you're so articulate. 
You know, my goodness, like, you know, you're so professional, you're so polished. Like, what were you expecting? And and so and, and even seeing it with other colleagues, I have, I have a colleague who female law degree, super sharp and, you know, changed the way she uses her name and her signature to sort mm-hmm. of take some bias out. Right. So if you if you look at the way she described it. The, the name that she calls herself uh, in 99% of the settings that she's in, you would think it was a man, you know, if you saw her name on, on a document. And so that was just a, a, a hack that she learned to use to avoid a lot of the bias that she was facing. And so it's been things like that. It's been, you know, those awkward conversations where you're discussing who's going to sit on a, on a panel or who's going to be visibly represented in something. And people look at, at at me and go, all right, you know, we, we need to have a minority there. Who should we pick? Like, why am I the person that's picking the minority? Like, why can't I pick the person who sits next to the mayor? Or why can't I pick, you know, pick something else? It's been a lot of that. Um, you know, it, thankfully, in terms of career advancement path, it hasn't been a lot of discrimination personally, but it has been a lot of those microaggressions. And I do realize that in those difficult scenarios when you're engaging with people, the labels come out pretty quickly. Like I've watched board members that we engaged with, one black, one white, and literally the, they, they acted very similarly in, in their approach to being on the board. But I heard very clearly the way they were, they were described differently. Black guy asks a lot of questions. He's difficult to work with. Why does he ask so many questions? White guy asked the same questions, thorough, you yeah. know, detail-oriented, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, you know, he's an asset. I'm like, wait, like you literally describe these two people, you know, with different terminology. I'm like, I know both of them, got along with both of them, but it was, so it was, it's things like that, that I noticed. And then you try to bring them up and, and you, um, you're careful because I knew I didn't have the luxury of kind of going into the phone booth and coming out angry black man, right? Especially in a, in a profession where there's not a lot of us. And so like I walked a fine line of like calling things out, but also knowing that I had an opportunity to try to, to try to open a door for somebody coming behind me. So like, I want, I want to make sure that I'm advancing myself, but I'm also advancing opportunities for other people somehow along the way. Uh, So it's, it's, it's still that I'm on a, I'm on a different side of the table now, but it's still that I'm still now I'm the person that people are trying to attract. You know, I'm, I'm working for a company that people want to attract. Walk in the door in some of these communities, and it's like that scene in Forty Eight Hours when Eddie Murphy walked into the bar, right? <laughs> like it's like whoa, whoa, okay, <laughs> like like I oh okay, like I didn't I didn't expect to see you walk in here, right? And it's and it's you know it's frustrating, but you. you I, I I try to fight through it. I try to fight through it. Would you say that people are now being more open-minded? There's certainly been progress. There's still a lot of uncomfortable conversations that happen. And so, yes, I, I, I think people are getting more receptive to it. But at, at the same time, there's still this can only push so far. Right. Like, like you can you can you can ask questions, you can raise concerns, but there's only so much of that that, that you're kind of allowed to do before the pushback starts to get a little more pronounced. And so you know, I think it's I think it's interesting, you know, I'll be curious to see what happens from this point going forward, right? So you, you look at last year and everything that happened last year after George Floyd, 
than Breonna Taylor and, and everything else. And you say, okay, what does it look like to have those conversations? And how do you broach them and how do you make them meaningful so that it's not just lip service? Like, like how do you actually make these things meaningful? So I, I, I do feel like companies, uh, well, I want to say companies, I think individuals, I think people are, I'm seeing more people who are genuinely asking questions and, and trying to genuinely you know, make some changes, but there's still a lot of work left to be done. And last summer, just for me, it was hard because we've been telling you this. Like I've been telling you this stuff for a long time. And so uh, even people that were close to me, like, like we've had these conversations, like this should not be a surprise to you. Like, like, please don't act surprised. Like, please, please, please. Cause like that to me would be a bigger insult. Cause that means you just haven't heard anything that I've said. You haven't paid attention, but it's, it's, it's also a pain point. People are crisis motivated for the most part, right? So you know you don't you don't make a change until the pain becomes unbearable. So the pain gets unbearable. Now we've got to address it and do something about it. Well, it's been building to that. It's like hurricanes. Hurricanes don't sneak up on you. They don't pop up overnight. Like you see, like you see these things coming. So again, just don't don't act surprised. Indeed. My next question kind of goes in that direction. So if you could give advice to an HR leader. What would you tell them? Because one of our podcasts was a seat at the table and we want to get a seat at the table and to have these discussions. So what would you tell them? I would say stop looking for that one thing to fix problems. And, you know, sometimes it feels like, well, well if we do this one thing, if we if we address this one issue, if we can if, if we can solve the funnel of available talent for roles and positions, then that fixes everything. Well, that's one element of it. Everything else beyond that matters as well. And then don't forget about the retention side. You know, I think I think it's easy to forget that. I also think it's easy to forget that diversity and inclusion are joined at the hip. And, and just be transparent about what you're doing. You know, it's funny, you, know, you, hear, you hear people talk about how, you know, we can't find talent, you know, technical roles, you know, we, we can't find talent or even in economic development, you know, we, we can't find talent. We, we don't know where to look. I'm like, you're not trying. You're not, right. you're not trying. You're not trying. That's not an excuse, right? To say you can't find the talent, it's not an excuse. But then if you can't find it, then go create it. Yes. You know, go find, find ways to go. And if it means something to you, because that's the other thing too, is that, you know, these efforts can't live in a vacuum. They really have to be a part and parcel of sort of everyday operation of the work that you do. So meaning it starts at leadership and then it gets filtered down through everything else that goes on. And so otherwise it just becomes performative. And if you're if you're doing it for the sake of appearance, then don't do it. Right. So, you know, do the hard work of, you know, acknowledging bias, understanding what your limitations are, you know, Audit your current recruitment efforts, like really go and take a look at what you're doing. You know, who are the people that you're taking referrals from? So if you're a hiring manager, you know, look at who you're taking referrals from and then look at those around you and who they're taking referrals from. You know, again, in in a small profession like I'm in, particularly on the on the public side and even on the private side, like it's hard because no one knows these roles really exist. So you hear about them in other elements and you hear sort of what I would call like associated roles, corporate real estate, HR, urban planning, zoning, 
building departments, you, you hear about them, but nobody really kind of steps back and connects the dots and talk about what these pathways lead to. And once I realized that economic development had a very tangible result on the communities where people work and live, like you're part of the people that A, help attract businesses, right? But that means you have to have an environment for those businesses to grow and thrive in. Okay, so what else does that mean, right? So you're 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 part of the group that looks at everything from talent pipeline, you look at real estate costs, you look at utilities, you look at zoning ordinances, you look at every element of a community. And so of course I want to be a part of that because I came from a community that didn't have a lot of a lot of growth. And mm-hmm. I never understood why. Well, if you don't have a diverse group of people at the table who are making those decisions, then it's real easy to have certain parts of the community get left out of those conversations. And so you know, it, it's, it's about being intentional. It, it's about really sitting back and saying, again, you know, audit those recruitment efforts. You know, look at where your um, referrals are coming from. You know, look at sort of your, your entire pipeline of growth within your company or your organization and, and figure out if you're actually walking the walk of what you're saying. Agree. What kind of positive change have you seen from you being in the room or by including you in these conversations? I've embraced the opportunity to raise questions. Like I just like I just asked the question, like, okay, you know, why why is this company looking here versus here? Or okay, you know, let's look at issues about, you know, community redevelopment. And so why, why are their dollars being invested here and not here? Or, you know, let's look at sort of, you know, the, the available workforce and pool that we're trying to market to companies to look at our community. Because that's really what, you know, when you're at the local level, economic development is really about uh, marketing and relationship management. Because you're trying, to, you're trying to convince a company that they can grow in your community, both short term and long term. Well, that means you have to understand pretty much everything that goes that's going on in the community. That's good and bad. And so you have very savvy people who are able to go in and, and look very analytical and objective about their analysis. But you also have to think about those associates have to live in that community. So even so, if you're bringing in people from outside, then what does that look like? And there's no, and that to me is where I think this process falls apart because you'll have people throw up their hands and they say, "Well, you know, we don't we don't tell companies where to go, tell them where not to go." I mean, you indirectly are telling them where to go because you're telling them where not to go. Or or investment, you're talking to people about investment opportunities, but what if those decisions are being made in a vacuum? Like, have you sat down with that community to understand what it is that they actually want? You know, do you have a sense of, of, you know, what it is they're asking for? That's where be sometimes, sometimes being that other face in the room can go, like, wait a minute, hold on. Let's stop for a second. You know, you're, you're talking about that community, that particular part of town without any context to it. You're, you're just regurgitating something that you may have seen or read. And it, it, you, you need more context to understand what's going on there. And, and that's, that's why I think economic development is such a unique role. And I want to see more people of color in it because these are real decisions that are being made. You know, when you have these huge corporate announcements, even some of these smaller ones, you're often talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of investment, hundreds of jobs. And then you start talking about like what that means for a community, like being a part of that and pulling that together. It's a great feeling, but it's also a lot of work. 
But if you don't have people in the room who can bring that diversity of thought, that's a that's a slippery slope. I agree with that. So I kind of want to transition into career services. Career services is very important for a student's development. Um, I think going in and getting a degree is one thing, but guess what? Making sure that they have a job when they leave, paying for that four to five years that they've invested in the college is important. So what do, what do people on the university level need to do to promote career services and how can we get attract that talent? Because to me, I think we're just leaving a lot of talent out there. And the common complaint, of course, is, hey, I got this degree in social work, but I can't get into that field. Or I got this degree in sociology, I can't get there. How can they get there? That's a good one, because my degree in sociology, I certainly use elements of it. And I think it gives me an interesting perspective in the work that I do on a day-to-day basis. But if you would have told me when I walked across that stage and and got that degree that I was going to be working in economic development, first of all, I've been like, what is that? Right. (laughs) So I I think I think part of the answer there is career services, like really understanding who's in your community. Like, like, Like what businesses are in your community and what relationship do you have with them? Because I think the disconnect sometimes is like, hey, we're pumping out X talent. But the companies in our region are looking for something else. Or we don't know what they're looking for specifically. Right? Like, like it's, hey, we, we just gotta get these degrees out the door. But like, do we really understand what the companies are looking for? Because you can't tell me companies are coming back and saying, well, hey, we have all these vacancies, all these openings, we can't find anybody. But we're graduating students every semester. Right? So where like where where's the disconnect? So do you have existing businesses serving on advisory boards? Do you have, you know, sort of workforce, you know, education people, you know, connected to, you know, private companies? Because that's that feedback loop that I think gets missed sometimes. And you've got to take a look at your at your programs and say, you know, are those programs relevant to existing companies? Like everybody wants to talk, you know, people love talking about who are the new companies coming into, into town. But like the existing company, they're all hiring. They're all looking for people. So, you know, look at those vacancies and find out what is what has been their experience hiring locally. One of the things I used to love to do on the community side of economic development, I do these business retention calls and I'd go in. And, and one of the first questions I would ask is if you needed to add headcount to this location, could you do it? Right. Yes or no. If you can great if you can't tell me why because that's the problem i have to try to solve i have to try to figure out if you if you have 15 positions that have been open for six months why like like help help me understand why and so i i think that same type of approach could be used by career services in some degree what are your existing companies what are their hurdles what are their challenges you know can they grow have they grown what's their retention looking like you know, are they hiring from your school? When's the last time you asked them what's been their success rate of being able to draw talent from college and university? And is there a flagship program that sort of gets all the attention at the detriment of other programs that you have? So looking for ways to people who have that sociology degree, what else could that be applied to? Right. So maybe you don't want to go and get a Ph.D. and go for tenure at a university and do research. Maybe there's something else you can do. 
right? You know, maybe there's another another way for you to be involved if you want to look at it that way. And so that's why I think it's that's some of the things I think that could be done in order to try to close that loop a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of solutions would you like to see for that next generation, specifically within your field in economic development and community development? I was really fortunate to have, when I started in my career, to have people kind of take me under their wing. And quite frankly, I wouldn't have been able to advance the way I have without it. And so I think some element of you know, mentor matchmaking could really uh, help. Because one of the things that I, that I do realize in economic development, and it and it and it's it's a tricky subject to bring up, right? But but because there's so, you know, that that diversity isn't as strong as many of us would like to see it. Because that's the case, it's hard it's hard to kind of talk about it in a meaningful way because other people want to blow it off. But when I think about, there's a group of professionals who are very influential in where companies make location decisions, right? And in round numbers, it's 50 of those people, give or take. There is one face of color out of that group, okay? And they have an, an incredible amount of influence over where corporate decisions are made. And so I think about it from that perspective, too, of, you know, again, you know, can you, can you match people up with mentors? Can you, you know, what type, type of professional development is being offered? You know, can we at least acknowledge the fact that there's a lack of diversity in the field? You know, can can we can we start can we start there? And 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 because it's easy to point to the major metro areas and say, no, 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 no. See, see, we have good people there. Like that's great, and that might be in one role, but is that a decision making role? How far does that trickle down? This is an ecosystem. You're talking about the economic development manager. You're talking about the planning director. You're talking about the fire marshal. You're talking about president of the college and university, you're talking about the workforce development board, all of that has to work together. Otherwise, economic development is difficult. And so I would love to see some sort of a matchmaking. I'd love to see, you know, more opportunities for people to share their stories because candidly, being black in economic development brings a different set of burdens and a different set of challenges that we have to think about that our non-black colleagues don't. And it's very difficult to talk about those things if you don't have a space to do it. Don't have a space to really have that discussion and say, you know, you're you're the local economic developer. You know, you're you're doing your job. You're trying to bring companies to the community. You're trying to grow existing companies. And then you get asked the question of, well, why are all the companies you work on going to that side of town and not my side of town? What are you going to do to help my neighborhood? What are you going to do to make sure that th- this is going to happen in this part of town? And then you got to have those real tough conversations about what economic development is and what it isn't and talk about sort of all the things that have to happen and how you have to build the community up over time in order to get those wins. And so there's just not a lot of support resources. Like from a technical perspective, yes, there are definitely support resources there. But I think from that comprehensive perspective of what else you have to deal with or Mm -hmm. how to even get into the profession, just not, not enough of it. All right. So what I really took from this is that you talked about taking under someone else's wing or, you know, paying it forward, as we would call it. And and I think that's what companies really need to do. You know, you have someone that's been in a role that they could be in that subordinate role. And this person is about to retire. You need to be the one 
to take that person that's in that subordinate role and kind of take them by the hand and let's guide them so they can be in your role next. So what I see is I, I see that that broken bridge and we need to be bridge builders. You know, that London bridge is falling down. That's what we're usually seeing within these companies. So what do the companies need to do beyond their efforts in being that bridge builder to really promote diversity in the workplace? Because to me, I feel that that's the missing link. You know, having those things fully integrated to the organizational structure and the culture. You know, there's a lot of emphasis right now on unconscious bias training. You know, so really supporting that, you know, making sure that and that there's intention behind it. So it, is, it isn't just, you know, go take this class and check the box, right? But it's, all right, you know, have people shadow, you know, phone screens, and interview loops, and, you know, broaden the folks who can participate in those, which is something that I think is a, is a really meaningful thing to do, is, is just say, listen, if that's something you're interested in, volunteer for it. You know, jump in, start doing more of that kind of stuff and support people who want to do it. And and really, if, if you're large enough to where you have like affinity groups, you know, really, again, support those affinity groups and, and give them the space to bring up those difficult things that they need to bring up. And and, and sometimes, you know, so, some of the difficult conversations I've had over the last year were like, let us get some stuff off our chest first. And then, then we can start figuring out where do we, you know, where do we go, right? And how do we fix this stuff? So, yeah, I think, I think really just being, being intentional and stop trying to find that one thing that's going to solve all the problems. Because, because here, here's, here's what that feels like. It feels like if we can fix this one thing, we can make this go away. Yes. And so it's this speed of like, how fast can we make this pain point go away? So we're going to do one thing. We're going to throw money at something. We're going to do something. We're going to announce some big initiative to make the pain go away in the short term. But then you really don't see the action follow through with it in a meaningful way. And I'd rather you go slow and say, no, no, we're we're actually going to work through this. We're actually going to go in and have some meaningful things materialize here. And so it could be something that's simple as, again, encouraging people to do, you know, to, to shadow on phone screens and to uh, try to participate in hiring loops, uh, you know, resume review. How do you identify talent within the company or the organization that wants to grow but doesn't really know how to get to that other field over there? You know, we, we've been doing things like having webinars for from other orgs, diverse people in other orgs saying, well, here's how I got to this role. Or, you know, here's the type of work that I've done in the past that allowed me to get here. And one of the more interesting things to watch happen is we actually want to be meaningful about this. Is it perfect? No, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. And it's encouraging because it's very easy just to say, we're going to put up whatever the latest hashtag is. We're going to say whatever the, the, the latest thing is. And then we're going to wait for things to get quiet. And then we're going to go back to normal because we need to get back to work. When it, it really has been, no, there's more to it than this. And then in the profession as a whole, it's becoming clearer that in order for these organizations and these communities to survive, you need to go and have a broader range of people involved. You know, particularly you get to these larger metro areas, like you can't survive without having an organization made up of people who reflect the community that they're representing. Because keep this in mind. You know, I'm on the private side now, right? So I go to your community's website and I'm scrolling through pictures. And I'm scrolling through your marketing materials. And I'm looking at all this stuff. And I'm like, hmm, 
like, okay, like I don't see a lot of diversity here. And as I tell communities all the time, you're constantly being evaluated, whether you know it or not. So, you know, you walk into a room, you're in a small town somewhere, if you're in a rural place, you walk into a room, they're not prepared. It's a small team of people going in. You walk through down a corridor, you see a big Confederate battle flag on the wall. You probably just hurt your chances for, <laughs> for that company to pick your community. So just, you know, it's it's stuff like that. Just like you, diversity isn't a four-letter word. Neither is inclusion. So let's please stop treating them as such. And, and don't do things just for the sake of saying you have a diversity initiative if it's not meaningful. Yeah, I've got a curveball question for you about this because you mentioned trying to have that one size fits all. This is going to be what fixes all of our problems. Mm-hmm. And I read something the other day that someone, I guess, tweeted it out. It says, if you're only hiring people of color to have conversations about race or to hire them as diversity and inclusion officers, you're doing things wrong. What is your take <laughs> on that? Yeah, um, I don't disagree. Um, and, and I and I and I say that because I'll, I'll use a similar analogy. If you're if you're at the federal level and you're only having black cabinet members serve in the Department of Housing and Urban Development, right? Like it's it's the same it's the same thing. I mean, you just like there's more stuff that we can bring to the table if you give us the opportunity to do it. So you know, I, I think that I mean, yeah, like if if you're only doing that because again, it's now it's performative. Now you're doing it just for the sake of doing it. And I've, I do have a problem with that. And also feel like get to a point in your career where you have, certainly in this, in this profession, where you have, you've built up the opportunity to have some, some, some say-so in, in how your career goes. You, you have to evaluate, like, all right, is this opportunity the right opportunity? But what, but what are all the criteria associated with that? You, do you want to be the only face of color that goes into an organization where every single person that came before you was not a person of color? And then the current staff is, there's no one else on the staff that's a person of color. And great, be a trailblazer, be a groundbreaker. But please understand that when things go wrong, <laughs> it's like, not if, like mm. when, like when things go right. wrong, like when things go wrong, that fallout is going to be different. Like it just, it is, right? And so that's another element of it that, that, that people have to think about and consider. And so, yeah, I, I, that bothers me when, they're, when, they're, when it's just, 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 just in the last 18 months, right? So it's, you see all these announcements of the, these new diversity and inclusion hires. Like we see them, like you see them post, you see them on, you see them post, you're like, okay, like, here we go. Like it's going to be a run on diversity and inclusion positions. And because it's it's the thing to do, it's the right thing to do right now. It's it's a hot issue. You know, we we have to think about it. And then and then you wonder like what happens after that, right? And if and if and if I'm hired for that and I'm brought on board, and to your point, if all I'm doing is I'm I'm setting up a series of discussions around that within the company, but then okay, like what are we really doing here? If there's not support for change, there's not support for new initiatives, like if that stuff doesn't happen. Then we're just making shadow puppets. Like we're we're just we're just talking just talking just to talk. And so I do, yeah, it, it is it is something that's very frustrating. And I, I feel I feel like like there's an opportunity to do better. Like bring me in to do real work. And you know, go out and find people who are talented and let them grow and challenge them and push them and let them succeed and fail and everything in between. But don't 
don't put the handcuffs on. Like, don't don't limit them. I agree with that. And something that you said, it, it's like spinning your wheels, you know, and it's almost like Fred Flintstone is, is trying to get his feet going <laughs> in, in the car and he can't quite get it going, you know, because he's still just spinning. You know, the feet just kicking, but we ain't going nowhere. That That's really what it is. So kind of in the wrap up phase now and tell me this, how can Untapped, you know, and this is really what we're we're trying to do. How can we play a role in fighting against discrimination in the workplace? Keep doing what you guys are doing. Just keep having people come on and share their experiences. There, there are just not a lot of platforms for people to be able to do that. I've listened to every episode that y'all have had so far. I've learned a lot uh, from other people sharing their experiences. And so I, I would say continue doing that. And then look for, look for the gaps where people are not engaging. Because uh, there's a lot of work out there. If you really go go and look at kind of what's going on, there's a lot of opportunities to go in and add value to whether it's to people or whether it's to companies or organizations. And you know, I, I would say just continue to be you know to advocate for people to get better uh, as as candidates, and for and for companies to again kind of take that audit of their current recruitment efforts and really figure out like. Everything from sourcing, screening, shortlisting candidates, hiring, retention, growth, and just really doing audit, like encourage companies to do an audit of that or, or, or really offer that as a, as a service. You know, go in and offer that as a service and say, you say you want to do this, but what are your what are your action items and your efforts around around actually making it happen? So, you know, I think the platform's phenomenal. You know, continue to use that, give people a chance to, to, to lift their voice and to and to share what their experience has been and talk about it. Because if you don't get it out there, if you don't acknowledge it, it's really hard for people to want to do something about it. I also feel like when you acknowledge it and you put it out there in, in, into the universe, now you have to do something about it. That's right. Right. Um, which is part of the reason why I think people don't want to address certain things, because now now that I've spoken and now that I've acknowledged it, I have to do something about it. So I would just continue to push people to do that and, and say to you guys, um, keep the platform out there. Let people come and share what's going on. And that'll help you identify other other opportunities for solutions. Appreciate that. Um, so last question, what legacy within the workforce would you like to leave behind? I really want to see more people of color in these roles. I was very fortunate to have, like I said, to have some mentors, uh, one of which was a person of color, black man, older black man who didn't work. We didn't, we never worked in the same city, but um, because it's a small group of us, we, I got to know him and he, you know, again, took me under his wing. Uh, I want to do the same thing. I want, I really want to see more people on both sides, on the community side, on the attraction side, being able to bring new companies and help grow existing businesses, but also on the, the private side, more people in these roles of influencing where these decisions are made because it's a, it's a missed opportunity. So I, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of an initiative that grows. It's such an un, untapped opportunity, right? Of, of, of being able to say like, listen, you know, one, do you even know this exists? Like, do you even notice these roles are out there in all these different forms? A lot of times people go, I've never heard of it before. Or, or they've heard of it in a very limited way. Or they hear about it in a context that doesn't, doesn't quite give the full aspect of what's going on. And so I, I, I want to I wanna demystify that for some people. And just say, like, listen, if you, know, if you want to pursue this as a career, now that you know about it, 
you know, here's some ways to do it. And then for those who are in it, younger people that I know in this career who are in it, just to try to be a resource. You know, there are people to this day I could pick up the phone and call and just like, hey, I'm dealing with this situation. Have you dealt with anything similar? Right. And they have that lens of, hey, I've worked with this consultant before. Here's the way I work with them. Here are the things that I've got to do in order to get, you know, get across the finish line on certain things. So I just want to be a resource. Uh, and I, I want people to feel very comfortable to come back and say, like, hey, that guy, that guy really helped open up a door in, in this profession because there's, there's just not enough on either side of the table. All right, Broderick. Hey, we thank you for being that resource. We thank you for joining us today for this call for episode number six of the Untapped Podcast. And I, I would just like to ask, you know, what are your final thoughts or are there any things that you would like to promote? Thank you guys for letting me, you know, come in and, and talk a little bit about what, what, what my experience has been and kind of where I see this headed. You know, I would just say continue the work that you're doing. You guys are doing something that I think is, is has been missing and is long overdue having these really candid conversations about what it's like. All right. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you again, Broderick. And thank you to all of our loyal podcast listeners. We will see you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'd be honored if you would review us wherever you listen to our podcast. We are actively looking for people of color to send us their resumes and career aspirations. So please log on to untappedrecruiting.com to learn more.